Amen. If you brought your Bible with you today, go ahead and get it out. And uh, go to Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible app, open that up. If you have an app that has anything else in it, don't look at that. <laughs> have a little bit of control for the next bit. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. I started sharing with you last week a new series of messages. And in seeking the Lord, inquiring as to what I should talk about and do and what season is upon us, uh, two words came to my heart. Those are the words increase and multiplication, increase and multiplication. So I began sharing with you about that, and really what I'm talking to you about are principles and um, practices that will facilitate increase and multiplication in our lives, in our church. You remember Psalm 115, 14 reads, uh, May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. So God is a God of increase, and He wants to give it to us, and it's not always all at once, uh, but it is often more and more. Thank God for instantaneous answers and, and great releases and healings and answers to prayer that come in a moment. Thankful for them, believe in them, receive them. But there are parts of the Christian life, you know, it is to be here a little, there a little. It is to be uh, built upon more and more and more, precept upon precept, line upon line, and we keep growing and increasing. And, uh, and so He is the God of increase. But what I want to do is not be in the way of that. I want to cooperate with His his increasing, uh, multiplying power. I don't want to limit uh, the, the glory of God, the manifestation of His very presence in my life and in our midst. And I want this church to experience all that we can, uh, end result being so our city will be impacted, will be affected by the good news. And so uh, Acts chapter 2 I want to read here once again today, uh, beginning in verse 1. It, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came. And, and so to reiterate the, the, the magnitude of the importance of their gathering, notice that they were in the same place at the same time for the same purpose, doing the same thing, and God showed up. And the power of God was poured out upon them. The Scripture goes on to say uh, that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire as one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so, again now, acting in a unified way is a very important factor in us uh, receiving the full blessing and benefit of what God wants to do. It's not only that we're in the same place, it's not only that we think the same, but it's also that we are doing the same things. And we find that they were unified also in action. And it makes me wonder, could we hinder the full move of God uh, simply because some are participating and some are observing? 
So some are in the game and some are in the bleachers. How many know while we're in this life, we're not supposed to be in the bleachers? That is some of the folks in heaven is described in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 12 that are in the grandstands cheering us on, all right? Our part of this equation is what do we do? We're still running the race, right? We're still handing the baton. We're still whatever the, is the event, you know? We're, we're in the game, and so that's part of the key to us experiencing heaven moving in our lives and in our midst is that we're all doing something. And really, we're all doing the same thing. Everybody okay? Is this one of those kind of services, services where we're going to be challenged to like stop sitting? <laughs> Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or you can listen to it. I read this to you last week as well. wanted to bring it back to your attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10 reads, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all look at the language here, speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Okay, so he's pleading with them, no small request here. Listen, you guys, this is huge. This is very, very important. We must be on the same page. And he mentions three things again here. Say the same Think the same, do the same. That would be the same judgment. Think the same, say the same, different order, do the same, right? And if that is the case, why would you, what's the big deal, Paul? What's the, why are you saying this with such urgency? Because it really impacts the outcome of our, of our time together and of our lives here on earth. It really does. Listen to these other verses. Uh, you don't need to turn necessarily. First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty five, it, it reads that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Now, now consider that language. What are we instructed to do? Have the same care. In other words, not some people care and some people don't give a rip. Yeah, but together we have this love inside of us compelling us. And we really do care the same for, for one another. I, I, was, I was thinking of, a little bit earlier today, um, remembering uh, a movie from years ago um, called Gladiator. And, uh, and, and how they, sh they, they opened up that, that show, showing the Roman army uh, in battle against one of their um, enemies, or whatever you would call them. And, and they had these great shields the army had these great shields, and they would be um, what we would call the shield of faith would be the picture of that, but uh, they had these big, massive, like, doors as, as they're battling. You know, they would shoot bow and arrow and all uh, those type of weapons, and the, those who were in the front, they had these massive shields, and they would lock them together, and it'd make like a wall, and, 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 and very, very effective. You know, the, other, the army would throw their stuff and shoot their arrows, and they'd just tuck behind the wall. Till they're done, and they're good. And, and, and it reminded me of how the body of Christ is supposed to function together. We lock arms. We stand together. We have the same care one for another. What happens when we do? The enemy can't get in. Why? I'm hooking my, my faith with your faith. 
we're going to lock our faith together and we're going to say, absolutely not, devil. You're not coming into this house and messing with us, messing with our families, messing with our kids, messing with our teenagers, messing with, huh? You're not going to have it. This is a place you can't get to. Well, we have the potential of creating such an environment, such an atmosphere where people run in here and they're safe. Why? Same care one for another and there is a united front. We're doing the same thing for the same purpose and God gets involved with that. We do this and suddenly there comes from heaven something powerful and something mighty. Now, one of the issues is uh, many of us, hopefully most of us, you know, we, we say, yeah, I'm all on board with that and I'm going to be one who thinks the same, does the same, you know, acts the same. I'm going to be uh, a part of the one accord in the house. What about that person who won't be? Because you know they, those folks are around. They may not be here today. But you know there are people that way. No matter what you do, they're going to be disagreeable. No matter what you say, they're going to, they're going to have a problem with it. You ever met that person? Say, I'm married to that No. <laughs> that was hypothetical. I'm not. Bam. Uh, but you know, people like that who just... They're, they're a problem. And that was a problem in the early days of the church as well. In fact, we were given instruction. Now, this is kind of serious here, so hold on to your seat. Strap your seatbelt on. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, it reads, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. In other words, there are people who do that. They're trying to be a problem. They're trying to be offensive. They're trying to be divisive. They want to speak up anytime there's a there's an issue or whatever, they don't like something. And he says, note them. Well, why would I note them? Why would I say, hey, that person, you know, there? He said this, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Well, that's pretty harsh. I, listen, I know some, you have very caring, tender hearts towards people but here could be your weakness. You never avoid anybody. Now, I don't want to avoid people. I'm, that's gonna be not going to be my first step, you know, almost like critical of, do I need to stay away from you? But when someone is being divisive, I value too much heaven manifesting in my life and in my church to, to ignore verses like this. There's sometimes you see a situation, you see a person, you say, you know what? <laughs> no. I love you, I care for you, I'm going to pray for you, but get away. Back off. Right? I mean, that, that really does need to happen, unfortunately, sometimes. And Paul instructed the, the church, the Christians in Rome to do that because they are causing divisions contrary to the doctrine. He said, avoid them. Verse 18, for, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. See, see, what's at stake here, new believers? What's at stake here, those who are still immature in their, in their spiritual life? How many know a, a, there, there's, it's not bad to be immature, it's just bad to stay that way? When, when it says someone is, is um, you know, simple-minded or has a heart of simplicity, they just need to be taught and grown up. In, in the things of God. And if any of us are there, we're here to get you behind our shield. Yeah? But I want to be, I want to have some line of protection to say, let's not give up the one accord in the house. 
Let's not sacrifice the unity because if we do that, we're sacrificing the move of God. We're giving up something of, of huge importance. But the heart of the simple, you know, it, it reminds me of, of what Paul taught the Ephesians over in Ephesians chapter 4. And, and he, he, he talked about children being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. How many understand there are doctrines that, are, that blow through like wind? In other words, there's a beginning to them and there's an ending to them. They blow in and they blow out. What are the immature more likely to do? They jump on the bandwagon. The immature are constantly, now we're on this, they're on this emphasis, they're on this emphasis, they're, they're jumping on this doctrine, then this doctrine. They need some mature believers to say, whoa, settle down. This will pass. Do not go all in with this. Everybody okay? I mean, I've known different, different ministers in different parts of the world who, uh, you know, when different ministers rise up with a, with a real strong message, all of a sudden they, they label themselves as, well, I'm a this person now. You know, I'm a faith person, I'm a grace person, I'm a Holy Ghost, whatever. I mean, those are all good words, obviously. You know, but it's, it's just, this is an emphasis, so everything's all about that now. And then two years later, everything's all about something else. I remember years ago, well, about 30 years ago, um, I was listening to, listening to some of those who went before me who were my elders in the, in the faith, and, and during that time, there was a, a wind that blew through, and basically, it was every, it's, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but everybody's a prophet, all right? All the special meetings were loaded with prophet this and prophet this and prophet this and prophet this and prophet this, and, prophet this and, and I thought, what's the big deal there? You know, and, but some of us who are a little more immature, we thought, exciting, <laughs> prophets see things, and we're all prophets now, and, you know, and these schools of the prophets rose up. And, uh, which is an Old Testament concept. It's not a New Testament thing. And so, uh, but those would rose up. And people who are my elders were, were, were warning some of us, say, you know, watch out for this, that they're getting off. They're getting in there's some error. They're getting extreme with a, there's a truth. The prophet's ministry is a true ministry. I thank God for it. And I prophesy myself. And, uh, and we all, well, can, you know, but there were some, some error there. There were some, some extremes there. And they warned us, stay away from that. And some of us listened and some of us said, yeah, you're just old. <laughs> God's doing a new thing, you know, and fall for, fall for, for some of that, and, and uh, then you realize, yeah, they were right, <laughs> and, uh, and those kind of things are blowing through again right now, by the way. It's another one of those winds that made the globe, and now it's back, and uh, that very same thing is blowing through, and a lot of people jumping on that bandwagon, and it's just like, stay in the middle of the road. Stay with Scripture. Stay with the move of the Spirit. Stay with the gifts of the Spirit, but, but don't get off into the extremes, you know, and this, so these winds of doctrine blow through, and and, uh, uh, but that's one of the reasons we, we, we come together, we want to stay united so God, we can have the genuine article and not, you know, give place to, to familiar spirits and things that would accommodate someone when they push something in the flesh too far. They're trying to become something they're not. They're trying to act with an anointing that's not present and trying to tell someone's future and do all these things. And, you know, that whole ministry, prophets are not designed to guide the church anyway anymore. That's an Old Testament model. New Testament prophets are foretellers, not foretellers. There may be some words of wisdom and foretelling, but it's not meant to guide the church right? It's not, it's not mental. If you need to know what to do in your life, you need to go find one of these people to find out what to do. No, you don't. You have the Spirit of God yourself. If you're a believer, you can hear from God and ought to hear from God. And let those ministries have their place and the right place and the right time. Amen. I didn't plan on saying all that, but just, you know, while we're, while we're talking. 
Uh, but what's at stake here when we, when, we, when we share about being unified, when we share about being in one accord? I think the full manifestation of God's power might be at stake. I think revival is hanging in the balance. I think people's healing. I think many times people's eternity is hanging in the balance. That's why we give such attention. That's why Paul said, I plead with you to do this, and we take this very seriously, that we should be in one accord, one place, one time, so God can move like He wants us to, like He wants to do. So, so again, according to the Scripture, the Lord likes us to get together, all right? So we shouldn't look for an excuse to do it more often. When you have this revelation, you recognize this. God is looking for a way to move powerfully, to move frequently, to move in amazing ways. So get together to facilitate it. Someone say, well, I can be a Christian all by myself. You certainly can, but it doesn't mean God likes it. doesn't mean He wants it that way. You certainly can. You know, ought to have your own relationship with God, but He likes it when we get together. So He can go boom. Amen. Come on, admit it. Things happen when we get together that don't happen when we're by ourselves. They just, they just don't. And so He wants us to be like this. And, and so I think we should be looking for excuses to get together in context like this. In, it's why we have life groups. What, what are we trying to do? Facilitate, facilitate an opportunity for the body of Christ to come together. Why? Because God wants to go boom. He does. He wants to move. And when we, get, when you, we reunite, same time, same place, same purpose, it sets up the atmosphere for Him to do amazing things. Now, is it possible for us to be together physically but not mentally? Yeah. I want to show you over here in Colossians. If you would, look at the book of Colossians chapter 2. Why do you read so many Scriptures? This is the reason, what I'm about to say here. This is the reason, okay? It, I'll tell you in a second what I mean by that. Colossians 2 verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Did you have a reward? Yeah? Could you be cheated out of it? Yes, that's why this was written here. Let no one cheat you out of your reward, taking delight in false humility, the worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Look, verse 19. Not holding fast to the head. Not holding fast to the head. What, what do you mean the head? Well, talking about the body, talking about the body of Christ, who's the head of the body? Jesus is the head of the church. He said you need to hold fast to Him from whom the whole body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So end result, what are we looking for? Increase. How do I get there? I must hold fast to the head, not to the other arm, not to the foot. In other words, the goal is not that we would hold fast to each other, but that we would all together hold fast to Him. If you and I just join uh, and hold fast to one another, we might decide to go build a tower that reaches to heaven. But if we hold fast to Him, we will get His instruction, His direction, and we won't try to agree with one another. We will all in a unified way agree with Him. 
That's why I said, why do you read so much scripture? We have to hold fast to the head. The head of the church speaks, and we all rally around that. When we do, one accord is easy. Well, I don't like what so-and-so, but it's not about that. It's about what the head of the church said. And that's what I unify on. Everybody okay? You think about the body, the illustration here, the body that, uh, you know, do you ever go anywhere without your head? Or does your body ever decide one day, hey, I'm going out for a while without getting instructions from your head? No, the body can't function that way. In fact, with my limited knowledge of these matters, I understand that if there's a miscommunication between the head and the body, that's a problem. Maybe it's paralysis. Maybe some in the church have been paralyzed. Maybe there are many inactive believers because they're not paying attention to the head. They sit around and think everything's fine. I know, but you're not moving. Think the body was designed to like do stuff. It needs instructions from the head. And likewise, I guess there are other diseases and things when there's misfire between your brain and your body, and the body can act in all sorts of, uh, you know, strange and uh, uncoordinated ways because of the miscommunication that's happening in internal systems. What does the body of Christ look like when we're just going off our own ideas? Maybe we look somewhat uncoordinated or paralyzed. We're not actively doing anything. And so we pay attention to Him. We get our instructions from, from heaven. And then what happens? Then increase comes. Look what it says. That is from God. Is there an increase that's not from God? Is anything on the earth growing and God has nothing to do with it? Absolutely that's the case. There are. I can't look at ideas or movements or organizations or anything and just determine its validity, its um, truthfulness, its whatever, by the fact that it's growing. There are some things that are growing, and God is far from it. He doesn't have anything to do with it. So what's our job? What's our goal? Just to grow? No, to have increase that comes from Him. I want the increase that comes from God. Amen. Listen, I know some things, uh, having been around the block a few times, I could do some things that would grow our church in ways that God was not involved with it. I refuse. I don't want to increase that way. It's just like you could get rich different ways, couldn't you? You could rob a bank. You could sell drugs. You know, I'm not saying it's a guaranteed success, but you know. Or you can, you know, you could uh, succeed financially in legitimate ways, right? And hopefully we have guidelines and guideposts that guide our lives. But we want the increase that is from God, okay? Now, if you were in Acts 2, look at uh, two chapters later in Acts 4. We saw Acts chapter 2, one accord, one place, boom, heaven showed up. These same people now, and they went out and they, see, heaven moved on them. They were filled with the Spirit. They went out and preached. Thousands of people are getting saved. Amazing things. Miracles are happening. God's doing outstanding things. But the religious people of their day were very upset with that. And, and that's a common trait throughout history. Those who 
embrace and hold tight to the religion often attack those who have a real relationship with God. And, and, and God was moving and they were being threatened. They said, you can't speak in that name. You can't proclaim the name of Jesus any longer. And they were threatened and they, we want to pick up in verse 23, Acts 4, 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions. Well, who were they? Well, obviously, uh, they were Christians that weren't doing life alone. They were new believers now, but they weren't just saying, hey, I'm good on my own. No, they had their own company, their own companions. They would get together. That's likewise what we do. They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard, and who heard? They. Not one person. They heard. They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, I want you to notice the, the groupings there again. They came together, they heard, they raised one accord. You ever had that thought? Maybe some have wondered, I, I've heard people say this, I sure don't like it when everyone prays at the same time. I don't like it, I just want one person to lead and everyone else just kind of listen and agree. I don't like everyone lifting their voice and praising God out loud. And, and <laughs> Well, that's the way they did it. I'm telling you, there's something about this that God likes. When we're all, we're not maybe not saying the exact same words, but we're all going the same direction. We're all praying together. Okay, so we're looking for keys here. We're looking for conditions that create an atmosphere uh, of, of explosion of God's power great multiplication, they came together, they heard the same thing, they raised their voice with one accord. And then look down at verse 31. We don't have to go through their prayer. And when they had prayed, when who had prayed? They had prayed. The place where they were assembled together, again and again, together, was shaken. So here we have a, here we have a manifestation of God's power again, and the whole place is shaken. No earthquake, no earthquake. It's God showed up. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, they were already filled with the Holy Spirit two chapters ago, right? And now they're getting filled with the Spirit again. I love this. And they spoke the Word of God with boldness. They all participated. This is what I love. You guys, this is what I want to happen. I'm thrilled with a person getting healed here and a person's prayer answer there, and I'm happy about ministering to one person or one at a time and, and great and thankful for the results. But you know what my heart is? My heart is that we would be filled with the Spirit. My heart is that we would speak the Word of God with boldness. My heart, my desire, I think this is the heart of God. It didn't originate with me. It's too good. <laughs> to come just for me, that God would move in everyone's life and that everyone would have an experience with Him. And it would be so powerful that it would be like the day of Pentecost and it would be like this day when they all got together and prayed that God moved and everyone was touched. I think that's the heart of God. We're not just interested in a few people participating in this great multiplication, but that everyone would be used. God wants to use us this isn't us church. It's a we church. It's not a me church. I know I'm doing the talking. That's my calling. That's my, my assignment. 
But my assignment is not just to be the doer. I cannot reach our city. I cannot take the world. But we can. I'm telling you, we can do it. If we would do things in a united way and, and all follow the Lord together, we can do amazing things in the church. It takes many hands. Going out of the church into our community, it takes a person to get up and go and do it. And this is how the early church operated. They all prayed. They all heard. They all prayed. And they all were filled. And they all spoke the Word of God with boldness. How many know when you says they, were, they all spoke, they weren't all pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Not everyone was called to those offices. In fact, they didn't even know about those offices at this point. They were just people who got saved. And who spoke? They all did. They, none of them had any fear. That boldness, they were fearless. And so, uh, I believe the Lord is doing this in our midst. He's stirring people up. If, if while I'm talking, something on the inside is going, whoop, I can tell it is. Sometimes when I'm speaking, I know that God's dealing with people, individuals, to stir you up to action, to stir you up to being a part of this last day's move of God. And I'm thrilled with it. I'm happy about it. I think about Jesus. You know, we're talking about being united and how God hates division. And uh, did, Jesus, did Jesus ever divide anyone? Did he ever cause division? See, this goes back to that scripture we read in Romans, how there's some situations, it's not fortunate, but you need to avoid that individual. And, and I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm reading about how he separates the sheep and the goats. Well, that's a little separation there you know, relationship to us. And I, I read in Matthew 10 how he said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I came to bring a sword. And I'm thinking, whoa, Prince of Peace here bringing a sword. You know, what's going on? This is the unfortunate necessity of living in a fallen world. And some people, they just don't have the right heart. And so there has to be a, a separation there. Um, he doesn't divide us from one another, but He is dividing His family from those who would attack, from those who would be a hindrance to this great move that He wants to accomplish. And I know in Jesus' own ministry, there were times when He would uh, preach messages that people didn't like. And uh, one day, He was preaching, it's recorded over in John chapter 6, He was preaching a great message uh, that was confusing to a bunch of people you know, about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and stuff. You know that sermon? And uh, he's preaching that message, and uh, they said, ooh, that's a hard one. And, and it, Scripture says there are a bunch of his, that there are a, a bunch of the, his disciples left him and didn't follow him anymore after that message. Very interesting. And he didn't even go after him. He didn't say, hey, no, hold on, you guys. Slow down. Let me explain. He explained it to those who stayed. Those who stayed said, Dad, this is kind of a hard teaching, Lord. He said, listen, <laughs> that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. The flesh kills, the spirit gives life. So those who had enough stick to itness and maturity to stick around and ask questions and, and, and learn, they understood. But those who were quick to just, Meow. yeah, Jesus taught something I don't like. I'm out of here. They lost out. They really did. And so I want to ask, you know, how am I handling 
handling things. I know in, in, in my assignment as a pastor and a preacher, I, I don't like it when people don't like what I say. I mean, I'm a real person, and you know, if someone is upset with me for something I say, I don't generally feel good about that. <laughs> um, and, you know, and it happens every now and then. Someone doesn't like something I said, and, you know. And if I said it wrong, I'll apologize to them. But, you know, when you're preaching the truth and someone doesn't accept it, you got to leave it lay, right? And, uh, and so I've had times when I thought, ah, you know, I'm kind of bugged by that. But then what ha- also happens is I'll, I'll be speaking, preaching, doing the work of the ministry, and I'll go for a long time, and, and I haven't heard anyone mad at anything I did or said. Then I think, junk, I must not be preaching strong enough <laughs> because they left Jesus. I think, ah, I must, maybe I'm watering things down. Don't do this unless you're called because <laughs> you got to bring it strong, and either way, it's like uh, if I'm bringing it strong enough, some people are going to buck against it. And then if you water it down, then you, you water, you, you know, you can't, you take out the power. And I don't want to do that either. But uh, I believe the Lord wants us to be united, but it's around His stuff. That's the goal here. Holding fast to the head. What does He say? What, is this, what does the Word say? What is the Spirit doing? And we unite around that, okay? Uh, I, I think believers, now listen, Christians, if you're, sa- you're saved in here, um, it's right to be involved in a church, a church, not multiple. Why, 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 why is that? Well, because we need one vision, not division. We need one focus, one tithe, one place to, to pray through, one place to be involved, to give your energy and your effort to expanding and growing the, the, the kingdom of God. Now, don't get me wrong when I say that. I believe there are lots of people in our area that are called to do works for Him. They really are. And, uh, and we believe Him and support Him. In fact, we have for, for a number of years, we send, we send money and gift cards and notes of encouragement and say, we're so happy to be working with you to pastors around our city. And uh, why? We really do believe in them. We want them to succeed. We want them to, to reap the harvest and do great things for God. Okay? just like we are. But on a, on a real practical basis, each individual local church with whatever their assignment is, they can be effective when people are there. They're not a blood clot floating through the body of Christ, stopping to cause pain. Just trying to illustrate. There's something, again, what, what, what's at stake here? Someone's eternity. The power of God, churches across the world being weak when we're supposed to be the most powerful force on the planet. We should not be messed with. In the early church, the Scripture says that people on the outside didn't even dare join themselves to the, to the church because it was, whoa, you don't mess with them. Yet God added daily to them. They kept increasing, but there was a reverence because there was so much power in, that, in, in, in their midst. That happened right after that, those verses we read there in Acts 4, just the next chapter. 
You, you, you can read about that. And so there's got to be a, 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 an agreement, a one accord that's taking place in, in the church today so that we don't restrict and, and, and limit God's power. You know, there's so many verses along these lines. And I want to finish. This, this series, by the, by the way, is not really a one accord, unity type of series. That's just one of the components to the atmosphere we, we want to create. Okay? We could go on and on and on talking about that. Let me remind you of one more verse. It's, uh, I think it's, I didn't even look it up. I think it's the 133rd Psalm where it says that when, when we would dwell together in unity, that God would command his blessing on us. This is a big deal with him. He says when people will do this, when they will unite, I command the blessing on you, your house, your family, your life. God says, I'm not going to have it any other way. So division? No, no blessing. United hearts in, in not only our prayers, our coming together, our activities. And God said, I command that to be blessed. I'm interested in this, you guys. There's, this is nothing but good. And so any attempt to subvert it, any thought that would go contrary to it should be seen in the light of eternity, should be seen in the light of how serious something like this is. Amen.